first, and then we'll get into First Peter. Uh, Father, your love uh, for us is amazing, beyond anything that we can imagine here on earth. Uh, we gather to worship you today and to remind ourselves of who you are, what you've done, and who we are to be uh, in, in, in light of that, God. I pray that you help us seek maturity in our walk with you, let our discipleship be holistic, help us find health in our DNA groups and every area of life. And we ask you to also bless our co-laborers in this work that you've sent us on. Fair Park Baptist, First Baptist Monroe, First West, First United Methodist, and, and all others, the, the church in Monroe, West Monroe. God, I pray that you allow them and us uh, to see you at work in our gatherings, bring more children into your family to make new disciples. God, we thank you for bringing new life to our youth uh, at, at the crossing, for growth, for expanding their worship of you, for the encouragement of this body, to, con to continue to give leaders and, and parents a unified vision to see more become joyful worshipers. Thank you for Brendan as he is uh, taking this on, not with a, a heavy, okay, I got to do it heart, but a, a joyful heart as he loves these students. Thank you for bringing um, all this. God, I pray that you would draw more foreign exchange students to the BCM, to the Wesley, help these ministries care for them. Welcome and love them as you have loved us. Help us reach the nations even here, God, as we are not sent out. Even if we are staying here, help us reach the nations while we're in Monroe. Father, guide the hand of your government officials. Help us to find unity in you rather than disunity in government. Raise up, equipped, and send from the Crossing Church. We want to make your name famous. We want to pray you'd use us. Help us to steward well the people we have already sent as we train a new generation to go open the hearts and minds of those curious or those ignorant to your great commission. Help us to mobilize them. Lord, we pray for the Oak Cliff team, this kingdom collective um, that has been sent out, draw people to their doors, their homes, raise up that church and that community that really need it. Uh, heal any hurt uh, within them so that they may be equipped to steward, to love, to care for those in their community. Thank you for the V family, for the work you've done in them. Bless their lives in abundance of your peace, your presence. Bless their language learning as they continue to grow in that. Grow the hearts of them, their teammates, for the Wanchi people. Help the T family and who you've called them to be among, the Muslim refugee population in Berlin. God, continue to use them in all the ways that you already have done. Open the eyes uh, of the unreached, God. The Wanchi, the Aceh, the Bamai, the Bonin, the Tongren people, the Tibetan Jone, the Laz, the Zaza. Send workers to these people, Father. Move in their communities. Empower us to go. Thank you for your word. Help us feast on this today. Uh, as always, let it not be me, even in my, uh, in my sin, in my, in my lack of knowledge, in my and everything that I can mess up on, speak through that today. Overcome that. I know you will. And thank you that you do. I thank you that we can come to you in all this because of your son. We love you and thank you. Be with us today as we hear the word and as we worship. Amen. All right, so since the beginning of February, if this is your first time um, at the Crossing Church, maybe in a while or first time ever, since the beginning of February, we have walked through the first 
12 verses of 1 Peter, very intentionally too. Like it took Jared two weeks to get through verse 1. Um, and so we've been very intentional to walk through this slowly. Uh, and if you've been here for most Sundays, you've been able to see that Peter is really building up to something. Um, if you uh, drive behind Neville High School right now on Hilton Street, the street that I live on, uh, you'll see a lot of construction happening behind the auditorium. It's going to be uh, some kind of all-purpose building, uh, more spaces for a lot of the spirit groups to practice so the cheerleaders don't have to be on the side when the basketball teams, all this kind of stuff. So more space, more things to do. Um, they've been building this for a while now, uh, for most of the school year. Anyway, while I bring this up, so not just talking about what's happening at work for me, um, Thursday, um, I'm walking to work, and I look over and see eight cement trucks, like lined up on Hilton Street, wrapped around on 6th Street, uh, and then kind of coming into the construction area. And I'm like, that's the most cement trucks I've ever seen in my entire life in one place. That is, it's, it looks so, like so much. They're blocking the road. Kids are about to pull in and park. It's crazy. It's the most. Uh, and I think, like, why do we need all this concrete? Like, what are they using concrete for? Uh, it's it's going to be incredible. So obviously the foundation, I, I'm, uh, I'm not super smart, but I know, yeah, I get concrete's got to have foundation. Um, but maybe with all that cement, like, surely they're, like, adding on to our parking lot because we don't have enough parking. They're making a nice, nice big sidewalk to the school, one to the auditorium, one over here to the parking lot. It's going to have so much cement everywhere. It's going to be crazy. Poss like, the possibilities are endless with how much cement is in these cement trucks. It's crazy. After school, I get in my car to go pick up Lucy, and I drive that way so I can see. Let me see how marvelous all this is, all this cement they've used. Um, and just the foundation of the main building is done. It just like was this big square. Not even big. It was just a square of the main building, and it looked so small compared to all the other construction going on and what my mind had created it to be. I was just like, it's going to be concrete land out there, and it was just a big square. That was it, a big square of concrete. That was all it was. All that cement was necessary, though, for how deep that foundation had to be to support the main building. I have no idea. I wasn't out there measuring with them. They're like, they don't allow me to go out there for sure, but I know they had to dig that hole, had to make it all square, had to make it all flat, and that foundation, all that concrete and those millions and millions of cement trucks had to go into that foundation so that it could support this future all-purpose building. If the foundation is too weak, the building isn't just going to like fall apart as soon as they build it. I know that for sure, but it will lead to problems over the years. I mean, you may go into your house right now and look up and see cracks, maybe Husbands, you never see the cracks. I know I don't. Uh, I'm just blind to it all. But some of you might. You might see the cracks. That's a, your foundation slowly moving and shifting. Over the years, it's going to lead to problems. They had to use all that for just one building. So the same goes for our time in First Peter so far. We've been going through some really, really rich verses in the last five Sundays. They've been packed full of truth. Millions of cement trucks full of truth. And it all leads up to Peter's main call to the original scattered Christians and us today in verses 13 through 16. This call to holy living. You may have seen that if you're in your Bibles, the little Bibles, that little title above this passage. This call to holy living. This is what verses 1 through 12, even though it's 12 verses, it's been packed full. This is what it's been building up to. So today we're going to see how and why. Peter lays all this foundation for this call. We're going to walk through what this call means for us specifically today at the Crossing Church, and then <clears throat> how, for the rest of the series, 
We see Peter break down this call in a different areas of our life. It's, it's going to be great. I hope you stick around because it's not just be holy and now peace out. I'm going, guys. No, it's be holy and now let me show you through the rest of this letter how to be holy, what I'm calling you to be in these areas of your life. It's really good. These lives that demand a gospel explanation. That's what we that's what we want. So we're going to read 13 through 16 and then as always we'll we'll, we'll break it down cuz that's what I'm doing. I'm not really preaching. I'm just, "Hey guys, break this down with me." That's it. So verses 13 through 16. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all of your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So how do we know that everything in the letter so far has led to this? My favorite thing in the Bible, maybe not the favorite thing, the gospel, I guess my favorite thing, my favorite word in the Bible you know, people's like, the but, that's your favorite word, but God. No, it's not even, it's therefore. Therefore is the best word for me. Always look out for those therefores. And then go back and read what became, what came before the therefore. So you see what it's there for. Thanks, Joseph. There you go. Somebody else said, all right. What it's there for. What's it there for? Um, we're just going to look at what I got to preach a couple weeks ago, verses 3 through 7. But again, it's all verses 1 through 12, but just 3 through 7. If you just want to listen to this, I'll try to emphasize like what this is, this is there for. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief and various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which through though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, because of all that, because of all that, because of who God is, because of what he's done through Jesus to save us, to make us new creation, because of all that, Peter tells us to do what? I kind of have to skip a few words. I want to come back to those uh, in a minute. But he tells us specifically in verse 13, because of all that, therefore, set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because of all that, set your hope completely. Hope completely on the grace. Peter lays the foundation, he gives us the reasons why, and then he calls us to hope in this grace. Remember the gift of mercy we receive from God is him withholding the punishment that we rightfully deserve as sinners based on who he chooses to save. So he's withholding, his mercy is withholding hell, damnation forever. Grace, on the other hand, is the gift that we receive despite the fact that we deserve nothing. We actually deserve hell, and we get the grace as the gift that we actually get. The grace that Peter's talking about here is really specific. This isn't the common grace that all men and women receive, like breathing, even non-believers. 
the grace they get to breathe, they get to live. That is a common grace. This also isn't the grace that we often bring up in RMC gatherings with a question like, how has God, sh God shown you grace this week? That's really important to do. I would suggest that you make that a, a weekly in your MC, your DNA, or even an individual practice. How has God been gracious to me? How have I seen God's grace in my everyday life? But it's still not what Peter is referring to here. The words, at the revelation of Jesus Christ, let us know exactly what Peter means. God gave Jesus revelation, which he in turn revealed to John. That's why we can get to read it now. So that we would know the things that will soon take place. To see what grace Peter is calling us to completely set our hope on, what he's built up to, we can read Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. This is the ultimate grace. This is the ultimate grace. This is what we must completely hope in. Why? Because everything else we could possibly hope for is not enough. Everything else is a gift from God. Everything else is a grace from God that we receive. But in the end, one way or the other, it's going to let us down. It's going to end. This is what we set our hope on. All those other things will let us down one way or the other, one way or another. Because all these things, all these other things were never meant to hold the weight of your hope. Never meant. They are meant to point us to that hope. There's so many aspects of who Jesus is, who God is, and what we get to receive someday, that future inheritance, that are like shown in all the gifts that we receive here on earth. For example, my marriage is a gift from God in so many ways. My marriage to Chan, Chan herself can point me to who God is and what he's done for me in so many different ways. But if I try to put all my hope in Chandler being my wife, it would crush her. No human can live up to that. And unlike New Earth, there is some crying and some pain in the life of our marriage, for sure. If you say it's not, I call you a liar. Right there, I did it. All right? And while this covenantal relationship will not end in divorce, one day, spoiler, Chan, one of us is going to die first. Some of, somebody's going to die first, and then whoever's left will technically no longer be married because it was till death, okay? That's all it was. So this marriage is going to end, and this marriage cannot live up to what we fully set our hope in. So if you find yourself, even if you're not married, if you find yourself putting your hope in friendships, your career, your health and fitness, all your hobbies, something that you do desire in the future, you're setting your hope in that, you're putting all your hope in that, you're going to see it fail. So instead, allow those good gifts from God to point you to the better, the perfect grace that we will receive someday when God dwells with his people forever. So don't just dismiss all the good things. I got to cut everything out of my life, sell everything, move into the woods and just be a hermit. No, that's not it. Allow the good things that he has blessed you with, some more than others, 
He has blessed you with these things so that he can point you to the great gift, the amazing gift that we get to be with him forever and that you can use those gifts to do the same for others who might not have as many gifts as you. So use these instead of putting your hope in these. And what's really cool uh, is Peter writes this with an understanding that it, this might be difficult uh, for us sometimes because Peter's human too, um, but scripture is breathed out by God. So he knows exactly what we need. It's like he knows we're going to want to hope in all the other things rather than this perfect future. He knows that the creation is going to worship more creation rather than the creator. He knows it. Rather than focusing, putting our hope in this perfect future glory, we might have trouble with this. So he modifies the main verb. Welcome to English class. Uh, we're going to get into English class really quick. Uh, he modifies this main verb, set your hope, or hope fully in this, with those two phrases beforehand. So I told you like, we get back to those. And I really like the ESV's translation of this just because uh, how they word it. Um, it says, therefore, preparing, verb number one, preparing your minds for actions and being, number two, sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So preparing your minds for, uh, for action and being sober-minded. Neither of those are the main call to action. Neither of those are the main verb of that sentence. Prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. What do these mean? Why are they there? It's, it's to modify Peter's main call. It's like, hey, here's the main call right here. Set your hope in this grace that's coming to you someday. But let me modify this. Let me make sure this helps us a little bit. Pre before you get there, prepare your minds. Be sober-minded. So what does this mean? An older translation might say, uh, gird up the loins of your mind. Stephen Curtis Chapman may say, saddle up your horses, um, too. But we're going to stick with gird up your loins. Uh, gird up the loins of your mind. Even though we don't use this every day, I assume you don't say the word gird or loins in your everyday vocabulary. This does help us understand what Peter means by prepare your minds for action. So gird up, your loins, gird up the loins of your mind. And when Peter wrote this letter, the fashion of choice was definitely robes. If you're lounging in your robe, uh, no issues, pretty cozy actually. Many of you probably have robes. I don't, I don't like robes, but it's fine. Maybe it'll snuggle me, all right? You have your robes. While you're sitting, while you're lounging, while you're relaxing your home, the robe is the perfect fashion for you, for sure. Wear your robes. But at this time, if you're about to set off on your journey somewhere because you ain't got a car, you're about to do some manual labor around the house, you cannot have those robes getting in the way. So you gird up, which I looked at like means to encircle, all right? Gird up your loins, which pork loin is great, but human loins, it's kind of weird. We just call it a waist, all right? So you raise those robes up, you tie them up right here, so those, those legs are showing, and you get to work, or you go on your journey, because if the, if the robes are in the way, you're going to trip over the robes, it's not going to be a fun time. Also, probably, probably pretty hot, all right? So you gird your loins up, you get them right here, and you're ready to get to work. So, how do we gird up the loins of our minds? How do we prepare our minds in this way so that we can set our hope on that future glory and that future grace? Scripture. Know the word. Even if we just look at that verse, those verses that came before, if we just know because of his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. If that's all you know, it's like, I, I'm, I'm a believer. This is all I know. Like, man, that's a good one to know. Know scripture. This is how you prepare your mind for action. Don't just sit around in your robe. Prepare your mind for action. Prepare your mind for action. Know scripture. Love scripture. Sober-minded. What comes to mind when we hear the word sober? Probably sober sobriety as it pertains to alcohol. So what does alcohol do to your mind? Your mind becomes very clouded, very vague when you ingest too much alcohol. So if we know that, and Peter's talking about our minds using this sobriety, this soberness to talk about keep your mind sober, what does this mean? Do not fill your life with all the things that are going to cloud your view of that perfect grace. Peter's really clear here. He says, all right, you're filling your mind with scripture, you're preparing for action, and you're also abstaining and refraining from all these things that are going to cloud your mind. For you, that's going to be probably completely different from everybody else in this room. Not everybody's the same, all right? Someone who may participate in this action, do this thing, love this thing, and use it as a gift, and this points me to Jesus. This person over here, this is like, this is leading me to only think of this thing. I, I can only view this, I can only view the finite, and I can't see Jesus through this. So it's going to be completely different for everybody in the room. So we're filling our minds with good, we're preparing for action, and we're from refraining from those things that will cloud our minds so that we can better set our hope on the grace to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so, with that, that's not even the main call. You thought that was the main call. That's not even it. Peter's like, nope, I just, that was like the appetizer. So besides the peace that we receive, why set our hope for that day? For sure, like I, if I set my hope for the rest of my life perfectly on that day, I'm going to have peace for sure. All the hardships, all the ups and the downs, I'm going to have peace because I know that day is coming. So besides peace, is there anything else that Peter is calling us to by doing this thing? We're, we're filling ourselves with good. We're not filling ourselves with, with anything that's going to cloud our view. And we're hoping in that day, why? Peter's real call in this letter. This is the call that we get to walk through in different areas of our life as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. Ignorance is just a really harsh word sometimes. If you call somebody ignorant, that's like, ouch. But it's just you don't know. So maybe they're just being like, hey, man, you don't know. You're ignorant. I wouldn't say that, though. Um, being ignorant is just we don't know. We were ignorant. We didn't know. We didn't know who Jesus was. We didn't know. We were like the unreached. We had no idea who he was. And so, do not be conformed to those desires when we did not know. Now, we know. We have so much, something so much better. We have this knowledge now. We have this spirit living inside us. So, don't be conformed to that. Don't fill yourself with all those things that are going to cloud your view. Instead, do this. But, as the one who is called, who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all of your conduct, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. This word holy can really, I think, trigger some people uh, in a certain way. 
literally meaning to be set apart. I think the reason that we have trouble with this sometimes is because we can swing one way or the other when it comes to this call to be holy. I got to hang out with Joseph last night as our wives were both hard at work at the Strauss Theater. Side note, if you ever have kids or if you have kids right now, hang out with other people who have kids. It's not that your kids are going to like make less of a mess or be less crazy. It's just that you can be with your friend and be filled up with your friend and you can ignore all the things that they're doing for a little time. It's so good. I would suggest you with, you with kids go make go to their house so that they have make the mess too and then you can just go home and sleep. All right? So be together. That's what I'm saying. Community. Let's let's do that. So we were there uh, last night. Eventually, we got to talk about this because um, every sermon I preach, if I ever have a conversation with you the week before the sermon, I'm using you uh, to help me out with my sermon. And so we talked about this, this, this swinging to extremes when it comes to this call of being holy because I think that what we want to do when we're preparing these sermons is to think about our people specifically. So I don't know about everybody else, uh, but I know for us what we can tend to do, me and Joseph speaking for ourselves last night, is swing one way, which means I have to do this. I'm called to be holy, therefore I must do all these things. Check all these check boxes. I have to do these things because if I don't, how can God love me? He called me to be holy. If I mess up, if I don't do the thing he's called me to do, or if I do the thing he's not called me to do, so if I'm in sin or sin of omission, then how can he love me? So we swing that way. That's a far extreme. That's legalism for sure. All right? Or we, everybody in here, season to season, or just you might swing far this way. Grace abounds. Like, why be legalistic? Why even get close to that? I can kind of do whatever I want. I'm not going to say that because someone might smite me, but I can kind of do whatever I want because grace abounds. I know no matter what, no matter what I do, no matter what I watch, no matter what I don't do, sin of omission, that God loves me, grace abounds, I'm going to be with him forever. We can swing all day in that. And we have different individuals in here that can be in these different parts in all of life. And so with this, how do we walk through this? How do we embrace this call to be holy? Thankfully, I get to preach uh, more uh, next week. Um, and so I get to do these next few verses. But as we lead up to that, this this idea of, of being holy, this, this being set apart, it can be really, really difficult sometimes. And one thing that we talked about last night, if that ever comes to that, if, if being holy is difficult because I don't know what to do, I'm trying to do all the right things, I'm trying not to do the wrong things, I'm being very careful, and if it's difficult for that reason, that's probably not it. Because his burden is light. He's told us that. This burden is light. Come with me on this journey. It's light. And so, if you are in that season of life, if you are over here in this far extreme, and you are doing everything you can, you're gritting your teeth to be holy, your mind is filled with, I have to do this, 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 and this, and this, you may not get to that part that says, because God may not love me. That may just be subconscious. But you can probably work it out to feel like, I'm doing these things for something else. And so, and again, if you're over here, if you are living your life, grace abounds, and everything's okay, you probably don't believe the true gospel either. And so this true gospel, we can really look at that last part. 
be holy because I am holy. God does not say, be holy because I'm going to let you into heaven if you're holy. Be holy because you have to. Be holy. It is be holy because I am holy. And so getting down to it, this call to be holy. My urge for you is to use this as a check, as a heart check. If, if, if my, this call to be holy, if, if I am not living holy, if I am living a life for myself, if I am in sin, I have people who love me calling out sin in my life, that is evidence, that is the fruit. If I have the whiteboard out here, we do fruit to root right now. All right? That is the fruit of my life. So I have to look at the root, I can see I'm not living a holy life. I'm not being set apart. Therefore, why not? Like, why don't I believe this? Why don't I believe that I'm not, that that, that, that is my call, that I should be holy? Because God says, be holy because I am holy. This should be what I desire. I should want to be like my Father in heaven. Why not? There's something that is caught up there. We probably believe that all these things that we're doing are going to fill us instead. And so rather than, I think I used it a couple weeks ago, fix the roof while, while the sun is shining. Rather than wait until the things let you down, the things hurt you, the things just die, how about you turn back to this, this nice little middle right here. Well, we're, we're not legalistic. We're not just living in sin. This middle right here. And, and you're going to go back and forth. It's not going to be forever. But be holy because God has said I am holy, therefore this is the best you can be. This is it. This is what you should strive for. And if you are leaning more towards, I have to do these things, I, I, I encourage you to believe this. Your Father loves you. You have been saved. You are being sanctified right now. You cannot lose his love. You cannot lose his love. Even if you do swing all the way over here, and you are just, grace abounds, I'm going to live my life however I want. Your Father still loves you. So use this as a heart check, please. So as we go into uh, this week, um, I would encourage you as you meet with your DNAs, uh, with your MC gatherings, um, ask these questions. Like how are we living holy? How are we individually set apart right now? How are we set apart? We're going to move into a time of communion now. And so uh, eventually uh, the guys will come back up and play. Maybe just Joseph will play. Um, and as you are there by yourself, even if you have your Bible opened up, if you just want to close your eyes, um, take this time now to reflect, to do these heart checks of am I just going through the motions and doing the things I'm supposed to do because I'm supposed to do them because I truly believe that God is going to love me because of those things? Or have I been living a life that is far from him because I have been getting pretty lazy? The robes are down. Uh, I'm just lounging with the robes down. I'm not girding up my loins. Has that been my lifestyle recently where I'm just apathetic maybe? Where do you fall in this? And then really ask yourself, God has called me to be holy. Am I living a life that is set apart? Am I living a life that demands a gospel explanation? Because the rest of this book, Peter is going to walk us through 
individually, specifically, and in different parts of our lives, what this call really means. And so before we get there, right now, are you living a holy life, a set-apart life? And if you're not, he is there. He's right there. And if you can confidently say, yes, I'm set apart because of this, celebrate because he has done that in you. It is not because you've girded up the loins all by yourself and you've set off to work. The Holy Spirit living inside you has empowered you to do that. So rejoice in that. And whether you're running back to him out of sin, you're celebrating with him because he's done this work in you, you can come, grab the elements, you can take back to your seat, and we get to rejoice together in this meal that is communion. And so this is open for any and all repentant, baptized believers. I hope you do come uh, when you're ready.